Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Hafsa and welcome to the My Pretty Soul podcast where I get to talk about that which gives you peace of mind, keeps you looking pretty and the things that make your soul sing with incredible women that inspire me. As I record this, it's raining in London but a mere couple of weeks ago I was having the time of my life enjoying the Turkish sun. I'm currently recovering from a cold so excuse the nasally voice of how the mighty have fallen <laughs> and how life can bring us up one minute and down the next. Anyway, I enjoyed a solo trip in Istanbul and then I headed to the capital Ankara to visit family. Personally, there's no competition between the two as Istanbul was far more fun. I stayed in a cute little boutique hotel near Taksim Square that looked as if it belonged in a Wes Anderson movie. The exterior was painted a blue and pink that reminds me of the scene in Grand Budapest Hotel where Agatha and Zero are surrounded by these patisserie boxes that are stacked around them. I truly enjoyed my time in Istanbul and being alone in a city like Istanbul was exactly what I needed after the lockdown. Naturally, it was intense for all of us, but now that we're beginning to somewhat return to work or to go to restaurants, we can't act as though the last few months didn't happen. I was able to process it all while I was away, as well as just having a much needed mental break. I'm someone that enjoys my own company and so nothing pleased me more than waking up alone, going to tourist sites alone and having amazing dinners in beautiful restaurants alone. I actually got to meet new people and make some friends while I was out there and I saw a few familiar faces in the city including my friend Zina Nor Sharif of the Zerkus. I'll share her details in the show notes but she's a formidable woman with a great platform so you should definitely follow her. Anyway, I was recently invited by Shazia of Shazfit, who's an amazing personal trainer, by the way, to lead the sister circle as part of her sister circuit brunch special. And in that circle, I touched upon my trip and the importance of nurturing oneself and understanding who you are independent of your relationships. Who are you when you're not a partner, a mother or a sister? I even read part of a journal entry I wrote while I was in Istanbul and I thought I'd share it with you. So here goes. 
I've always enjoyed solitude, but if there's one thing that this trip has taught me, it's that being alone is so peaceful. I then wonder if anything is worth disturbing this peace. No. When I return to London in a couple of days, I want to incorporate alone time often, giving back to myself and allowing myself to be nurtured through this sweet solitude. With that said, I'd love for you to reflect on how you can incorporate some alone time in your life if you don't already. Now, onto beauty. I went to a hammer while I was in Istanbul and it was exactly what I needed after traveling around so much. Mind you, I hadn't had a massage in ages either because of the lockdown, of course, and so I enjoyed a massage too. I went back to my hotel feeling so much lighter and at ease and it just makes me want to be one of those people who have got their lives together and always go to the spa for a body polish and a massage. You can only dream. As for Sol, I wanted to go back to talking about stress. So in the last episode, I spoke to stress expert Heather Thatcher and none of the episodes have provoked as much discussion as this one did. I received so many messages and tweets with people sharing their own experiences with stress and how much of an impact it's had on their health. It just reiterated that we really need to manage it as best as we can by implementing self-care practices, recognizing what triggers us to stress and quickly nipping it in the bud. Now onto the current episode at hand. I'm really excited for this one. Flo of MDM Flo is someone I've respected for years. We first connected when she launched a collection of lipsticks in groundbreaking hip-hop inspired colours like blues, black and a bright orange at the age of 22. Can you imagine that? 22. I know what I was doing at 22 and it definitely wasn't launching a beauty brand. Anyway, today Flo's portfolio has expanded to include a mascara, multi-use gloss pots and a face oil that gets rave reviews from people that I know. In the episode, Flo and I talk about the inception of the brand, which interestingly enough was in her parents' shed, her beauty routine and her love for nails. Happy listening. So welcome to the podcast, Florence, or Flo, as you like to be referred to sometimes. Which do you prefer to be addressed by actually? Um, I think Flo now. When I hear Florence, I just think of my mum telling me off. So we'll go by Flo then in that case. But I'm really glad that you're on the podcast and that you've come to join me to speak today. And I've been inspired by your story for years. And you'll start in the cosmetics industry since I came across MDM Flo in Topshop and Beauty Mart. All of those oh, years yeah, ago. I, yeah, the good old days. I remember coming across your lipsticks and they were so brightly colored. Blue, I saw orange. I saw like these really cool pinks. Initially, I used to be kind of scared to, to kind of go for those kind of colors. But seeing yeah. them presented in such a cool way, I thought, well, I can wear them myself and I bought the marina color I can't remember the full name of it it was oh yeah mass marina, mass marina. Yeah, I've just worn it once and I loved it but I I think I still have it around if I kind of dig around my collection but I'm thinking if I like blend it with something else like and I want to walk around or just wear it on its own yeah it works it. really well with nude nice well I just wanted to ask what inspired you to start MDM flow what pushed you to start the brand and especially because you came to the forefront with a collection of groundbreaking lipsticks you didn't come with just some nudes and some oranges and some reds you just came with something that was not really visible within the market yeah sure so I started MDM Flow in 2013 and then the beauty industry was very different from how it is now Um, and I felt that the beauty industry was just in a weird place where everything was just kind of like classically glamorous and like a nod to the past and there wasn't really anything representative of the women who I thought was cool so I'm really into hip-hop um like I love I love rap music I love hip-hop culture I love the brightness boldness and everything that comes with it and 
when I thought about like the look and the aesthetic that I'm into and I went on the high street or went into stores I didn't really see that so when I started the brand I was like I want that to show a lot of brands weren't very diverse when it came to their relations and who they were targeting and so obviously as a black woman that's something as well that I was like you know what I want to be the brand that any woman can come to see an outrageous color be like I know that I can wear that because that's been made to me and I think that's also kind of why I steered towards MDM Flow when I first found out about it because being a black woman you do kind of feel a bit hesitant to go for colors that you think are not necessarily going to suit you for, for me for example exactly. my uh, bottom lip is lighter than my top lip and a lot of black women I've also noticed on Asian women southeast Asian women in particular and you find that you go into the shops and you find like a really nice pink color and you're a bit hesitant to try it because you know for a fact that it might work on your lower lip but on your darker lip, it, it just won't work. So I thought, this exactly. is founded by a black woman. She knows what she's going to do. So she's going to make something that works for her. And by default, that's going to work for me as well. So that's exactly. why I liked it so much. Hats off to you. And you were so young as well, weren't you, when you first started the brand? Yeah, now when I think about it, I'm like, who did I think I was? I was 22, <laughs> just graduated, knew nothing about business at all. But yeah, if I knew what I knew now, like I didn't even know whether I was even a test it but yeah it's been it's been incredible and I'm glad that I did it and I'm glad that I've had like so much time to just kind of learn all the things what kind of lessons have you picked up is there anything in particular that you would say is worth other people knowing uh oh there's so many things I think like the biggest general lesson is like for me I was this very creative person like quite confident and you know I created this product that I love and I just wanted to put it out there Um, But what I've learned over the years is that running a business is a lot more than your product. And I think especially when I speak to like young people who want to start businesses, whether it be in the beauty industry or just creative businesses in general, sometimes we can get so obsessed about like what it is that we've created. And it's like, oh, you know, I've created this incredible um, lipstick or this incredible face cream or whatever. and, And it's just going to sell because people are going to love it. Whereas, like, actually, know that like, there's a lot of marketing that goes into it. You need to understand who your target audience is, and, and you need to be able to separate like the actual business process from the creative. Definitely. I think I've noticed that myself as well. Having worked in the beauty industry, I hate numbers, but I'm not really bad at them. I'm not bad at the strategy Mm -hmm. either. Sometimes you want the creative to work, but when it comes to what the data shows you that this product doesn't necessarily sell as well as the other products, you're like, oh, well, okay, fine. We're going to have to. Speaking of the beauty industry, actually, I've noticed that usually the kind of roles that are given spotlight are your PR, your journalist, Mm -hmm. your marketing, but you don't really see someone who has a cosmetics science background like yourself. They're not really given the spotlight in comparison to the other roles that I've mentioned. But to be fair, Mm -hmm. you are the ones who are creating the product itself. You're really getting into the nitty gritty of the products that we use. And so I was wondering, do you have any kind of insights into what it entails to get to the role that you are in now and what you've done before? Or is there anything in particular that makes your job unique in comparison to those other roles? Yeah, sure. So I'm a bit of a unicorn when it comes to cosmetic scientists because I've always been way more interested in like the marketing element (laughs) over the kind of like science. But then like because I did the cosmetic science degree and I am a cosmetic scientist, I have that baseline knowledge that helps me to kind of formulate products like literally from the top of my head, which now is a bit of my secret weapon when it comes to the brands. But for those who are interested in formulating, like 
it's quite sad um, and I think it is because the beauty industry is primarily an industry that you know is run by women to a certain extent and has women as a focus when it comes to the consumer group a lot of the kind of more like STEM elements within the industry aren't really championed or celebrated or that visibly known it's almost like it was decided you know the science behind beauty no one needs to know about that whereas that's literally the heart of the matter and and absolutely like for anyone who is interested in cosmetic science I studied cosmetic science at the London College of Fashion it's now a master's program it's an incredible program I still have a great relationship with um, the tutors on that course and I would definitely recommend it and for um, people who perhaps are out of education or are a bit mature they have a long distance course so if you don't want to be like you know go in to lecture every day because you have responsibilities or anything else you can um, do the long distance program and then outside of that I know there's now at least like one or two other institutes I don't know what they're who they are specifically that also do like versions of course um and like there's loads of like institutes that also do the course as well not the specific one from learning coach fashion but do have like cosmetic science as a program or sometimes it's like an extension so like a pharma program but yeah no i i think it's really really important that the the behind the scenes stuff is brought forward when i think about male-dominated industries like like gaming which I think is really cool yeah it's become you know the tech behind gaming and 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 the developers and like it's become own thing like it's so celebrated like guys and girls who are into gaming feel proud that you know this is this has become a legitimate industry and like obviously the industry is a legitimate industry but I think there's areas of it that aren't taken as seriously now I feel like I'm going to ramble on about (laughs) about beauty and politics I know I I can ramble with you as well I feel like the beauty industry isn't taken as seriously as other industries and I think Mm -hmm. the whole idea of the beauty industry not being open in comparison to your pubs and your restaurants and barbershops it literally makes me so angry it does because I'm sorry, but the beauty industry already we've had crazy high standards of hygiene as it is anyway. So exactly. pre-COVID, you were gonna get a great service in a reputable place to begin with. Post-COVID, you can imagine it'll be like a utopia of cleanliness. And so I, it can only be. I think it can only be that people trivialize beauty in a way. They think it's like a frivolous thing that it's just a vain pursuit and oh it's just women getting their nails done no it's, it goes beyond that like it's men and women who are equipped with skills like hair or makeup or eyebrows and lashes and waxing and stuff like that and who are creating like a, a decent income for themselves who are prevented from doing so and so Literally, and contributing like millions and millions to the economy like feeding families it, it for me I, I definitely think as well like it should be considered somewhat of a mental health service a hundred percent I I could not agree with you more and it's so interesting that you said that it can also be like a mental health service for me I have a regular eyebrow lady that I go to and it's not even just her it's multiple women that work in the place that I go to and one was pregnant yeah. and you're like how is your pregnancy going and you see her grow yeah. over time or you'll meet someone and she'll tell you about her life problems or her love life and you'll talk to her about yours or you confide in each other about that kind of stuff and you also talk to your hairstylist and stuff and what kind of treatments do you generally go for? Like, are you a hair person or you're a lashes person? So for me, the number one thing is nails. Nails. I, I love your nails. Have, thank you. I have to have a full set 
I have to have an outrageous design. Like when my nails are done, I feel like my life is in order. And then after nails, I'd say hair, like hair is a really big thing for me and also like culturally. But yeah, for a lot of lockdown, before everything kind of opened up, I was just like, I'm never ever going to get my nails done again. <laughs> just kept having moments of I just want to get my nails done. So yeah, that definitely is my kind of form of beauty therapy. For the people that are listening, we're speaking over Zoom, so I can actually see Flo's nails. But what have you done to your nails exactly? It kind of looks like a red or orangey type of tip. Yeah, so I've got like um, gel tips, but they're like flames. Oh, yeah, I can see so them. Like orange flames, um, yeah. I've seen a lot of that like in terms of like Instagram. I, I follow a lot of nail pages on Instagram and I have like a nail yeah. board. And I used to be an acrylics person and I used to get an acrylic and then I thought of should I get a gel overlay and now I'm just a simple gel over my natural nail, but I really want to consider just going a bit more fun because I've worked in corporate offices for too long. Although it is beauty, you do kind of get a bit cautious of showing your personality through nails sometimes. And some mm. offices I have been able to do that, but in other offices, I haven't necessarily been able to have had that freedom. But I used to love like going for like a stiletto nail at times, almond. I love your nails. It looks amazing, Thank honestly. You. And in terms of hair, like, is there anything that you tend to go for when it comes to your hair? With all of my beauty I'm just very like it's kind of similar to the brand actually it's just bright and bold like with my hair like I used to dye my hair a lot when I was younger but for the last couple of years it's mostly been like just jet black unless it's like braided with color um but this week I'm getting my hair dyed into I think it's going to be like a bright fiery red but who knows, I might change my mind when I get there. Oh, I can't wait to see that. I bet it's going to look really good because right now, everyone who's listening, you've also got the Von Dutch colour lip on your on your lips. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like a <laughs> kind of an orangey type of red colour. So that matching with the nails will look really cool. Exactly. I'm, I'm going for the matchy-matchy vibe. And speaking of the lipsticks, I know that you, with your scientific background, and before I remember interviewing you years ago for my blog, there was a time where you would formulate the products in your parents' shed. What's it like today? Do you still do the same process or what happens really? What does it entail when it comes to making your product? So that's such a good question because it's kind of come full circle. So I think when we first spoke, it was kind of, I think one year in, I reckon it was around 2014. Yeah. yeah. So then I was literally hand-making everything. And then for a few years, so like 2015, 2016, um, I outsourced production just because I just couldn't keep up with the scale of manufacturing that was needed for like the retailers and stuff that we've gotten into. And now, so I'm literally in my new kind of like studio and we're bringing a lot of the production back in-house. So I've got like a little team coming in on Friday, and it's not, we're not going to be making absolutely everything, but I love the fact that and even over the years, I've tried to keep certain colors in position and do kind of short lines. So now we're just going to kind of have a system in place where we can have like fun things that are made in-house. And then like for the more kind of like popular colors that just sell through too quickly, we'll still work with our manufacturing partner. Nice. I find that so cool that, in turn, I think it adds to your story and the essence of your brand in a way as well, that it's not just a brand that is being manufactured in a, like a factory or something that, although there's nothing wrong with that, that you, with your background, have actually made these products. You know exactly what you're putting into the product. It, honestly, it's Definitely. such a cool origin for me. And 
you've also recently branched out into like multi-use beauty products as well. So through oh, yeah. Co. So what's that been like? And why did you feel the need to create multi-use products? So you have your everything oil and your everything oil appeals to me. I haven't tried it, but what appeals to me is the ingredients that are in the oil. So you've got like Marula yeah, oil. Yeah, definitely, definitely need to send you a bottle. But um, yeah, no. So I've been thinking about skin for a while. because Obviously with MDM Flow, like my focus is heavily on makeup color and, and lips but with like my background um as a cosmetic scientist there's so much more that I do obviously know when it comes to like skin when it comes to formulation when it comes to ingredients and I just kind of saw this trend of like natural beauty but I kind of was seeing that because the industry at large in terms of the bigger brands weren't paying attention to the ingredients that people were, were really into I felt like I was constantly finding like just incredible natural um, active ingredients that just weren't being utilized and obviously I had access to suppliers like some of my friends work at some of like the biggest um, natural ingredient suppliers but for your person who's at home you know buying ingredients from Amazon they're not going to be able to have access to certain ingredients or certain quality ingredients so for me creating Flow Beauty Co was like okay I personally see myself, and I've never really been into like the natural movement. I'm, I'm like, whatever works. If, yeah. if it's synthetic and it works great, if it's natural and it works great. But just kind of looking into like ingredients that people were kind of discovering and in some ways rediscovering, I felt I felt that a lot of the, the ingredients that were being used like had really rich history. So like, for example, our everything oil was based on marula oil, which is largely farmed in South Africa. Um, a lot of marula oil farmers are female. And so all these incredible stories of just kind of like, you know, being, being able to, to see the supply chain from end to end and knowing that I'm in a position to create something that does that. So that was the, the kind of what led me to choose the ingredients. When it comes to it being multi-use, again, like being a cosmetic scientist, every time I buy something, I'm always looking at the back of the ingredient list and seeing what's in there. And, and a lot of the time, things are marketed as something but can have dual purpose. So like even the other day, I bought like an aloe vera body um, gel. And I looked at the ingredient list and I was like, this is going to work amazing in my hair. So then I used it in my hair as a conditioner. Wow. A lot of the really incredible skincare brands are really expensive. So Flow Beauty for me is just kind of like bringing that real good skin quality, but at an affordable price. So you don't have to be into skin. Like you don't have to be into your BHAs and your AHAs and your retinoids and everything else. To, to want good skin. I love the ethos behind that because you find that some brands are very like specific about their ingredients. So for example, like your ordinary or your inky list. And I love those brands, but <laughs> you'll find that for someone who isn't as clued up on skincare, they're like, what is salicylic acid? And then they might buy that and then <laughs> use that alongside a retinol, not knowing that you shouldn't use an an acid with a retinol but you're making products that are actually specifically for multiple uses and it isn't as intimidating for people to use so they're not sure literally i love literally. that and like the people who don't understand like the science behind ingredients which if you're not into it and you've never been educated on it why would you i think for a lot of the time it's just like baseline things that they need like 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 my my brand isn't you know focused on like um, key problem things like dealing with acne so it literally is okay you want to get moisturized great you want to cleanse great and it's just kind of like the basic things that everybody wants for their skin 
And what are some of your favorite uses for the everything oil? So I personally mostly use it as a moisturizer, so body moisturizer, face moisturizer. But I see a lot of my customers use it as a cleansing oil, which I find super interesting um, because it's such a light oil. But for me, I would want like my cleansing products tend to be like not heavy, but like a little bit more like greasy. So I use like the Pixie double cleanse and that kind of formula. That's what I'm kind of into. So I find it so interesting that people are like, oh yeah, like I love using it as cleanser. And then I also have customers who love using it like after Botox, nice. which again, again, because it's a dry oil and it's not greasy, it kind of helps like combat that like tightness and dryness that they feel. So those are kind of like, the interesting uses that I've kind of seen but I think other than that like most use it as a moisturizer I can imagine using it for like cuticles like you said Botox that's a really interesting yeah. use as well like just to kind of hydrate the skin after a treatment mm-hmm. like that as well and what blew my mind is when you said that the aloe vera product that you used to use it as a conditioner as well like I I'm a fan of multi-using things like I've used conditioner as a shaving foam or I've used cuticle oil for the tips of my hair for example mm-hmm. and actually in the beauty industry, something I've noticed is that you will find that a lot of formulas cross over into products. So for example, you'll find a body wash being used as a hand wash and there aren't many differences. Like for yeah. example, you might find that the fragrance is lesser than the body wash or you'll find that the formula, sometimes I've even seen that the formula is pretty much identical. It's just packaged differently, which is interesting. Yeah. So I feel like just knowing these little quirks is quite interesting because you're like, you know what, I, I shouldn't just buy a hair oil and then a cuticle oil you could use it all like across the board yeah and in terms of like products and routines and things you mentioned using pixie what's your routine like oh my (laughs) i feel like i don't have a routine because i just try so many new things all the time but i'm definitely like a mixed bag so one of my favorite products is the um I, it's actually from Primark. Alex's um, collaborations. Um, Alex used to be the editor at Glamour. Yeah. Um, so I think it's called the eye, eye Gel, and I use it as like an eye cream. It's just a really, really lovely formula, and I love using that in the summer. And then my kind of like winter eye cream is Alginist Eye Renewal Balm. I absolutely love. Like for me, I think that it's one of the most incredible eye creams. <laughs> like having an eye cream moment i love um, benefits browsing browsing um, yes yeah an eye cream or any eye serum I, I i mean i do like the estee lauder eye serum but i'm not much of an eye serum or cream person but brows give me brows any day browsing's by benefits yeah the, i really love browsing that's all i've got on my brows today going on to my face so obviously i i use everything oil on my face every day um, I'm trying to think. I'm using like a pollution serum that has been really great for my skin because like I've been cycling a lot recently. And when I first started cycling, I was getting like little like weird like skin tags, oh. which was just really weird. But then I started using and like with my skin because I I'm always testing new things. I can tell what the difference is, and I knew it was like cycling and being. And like sometimes I cycle down like. Um, old A roads and stuff, and so like there's a truck. So I started using a pollution cream, and I cannot for the life of me remember what the brand is called. There is a pollution cream um, I know of, and I can't remember the brands either, but I do know that I do remember the packaging, and it's like a pink packaging, and it has like black lines all over it. That's the one that I think. My, my pollution serum 
it's like it's a very sorry I'm like googling it no google google away <laughs> it's like in a silver tube uh, okay if it comes back to me I'll say what it is but yeah like it's absolutely been so helpful for my skin I'm trying to think what else are you oh I've started using um the watermelon mask from oh no I've the glow the glow recipe is the it glow, yeah the glow recipe that's it so really really enjoying their watermelon mask and then I'm also using the um Glossier's rose water oh yeah 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 absolutely love that I, like I literally put it in my breath goodbye them my cleansing water I feel like I've used for like a decade now and I also have the eraser um wipe thing it's like um oh my god yes I've never tried it, but the way I discovered it is through watching a video of Black China using it years ago. And, no way. And her skin is amazing, by the way. So I saw a video of her on Instagram. I think she was promoting it. And it was this like cleansing cloth. And she was like, I don't use any cleansing balm or makeup remover. It just wipes off. And I just remember revealing like great skin. So how, what is the science behind it, I wonder? Yeah, I don't, I actually don't know. Because it must <laughs> be like... It's, it's material, like it's based on the material that's being used. But um, I do use it with a cleanse. So I tend to either use it with like Bioderma or I use it, I, have, I use the T2 vitamin C um, face wash as well. So I tend to like, if I'm using the wash, then I'll like foam it up. But like I only use the eraser if it's like quick, I just want to get my quickly and I'm tired on my big bed. But yeah, no, it's great because it removes everything like mascara, absolutely all makeup. And I remember before the only cleanser that I used to use was the Evlom like cleansing balm. Yes, gotta love Evlom. I Sorry. used to work there up until April actually, and the cleansing. Oh balm, really? Yeah. So I used to work for. So I was working with like a few brands like Kevin Aquan, Evlom. Yeah. Means so the three brands kind of that fall within space brands and. Everyone, yeah. No matter what you know or don't know about Evlom, even if you're like the most non-clued up beauty person, you always know the cleansing balm. Like the cleansing balm is Literally. iconic. It is amazing. It's that Literally. good. It's amazing. It's so, yeah, amazing. No, I used to use that so much. I probably need to like be up on it. Yeah. So the makeup eraser is the only other thing I've ever used that kind of takes it off that that kind of like Evlom cleansing balm level. And are you a fan of like actives? Um, I don't like I I I've tried the um the drunk elephant retinoid cream like at the beginning of lockdown because I thought oh, I'm not leaving my house so like I can like play around with some like retinoid and I just kind of did fell off it like I'm just not like I'm a bit lazy with skin so I love skincare and I love ingredients and I love tech but like Number one, I'm very like privileged because I like I don't like deal with acne or have any skin issues that I kind of have to, you know, work to remedy. So for me, skin is more kind of like oh, how bright can I get it? Like I can tell my skin style, or I can tell like if it's like you know I've got tired skin or if it's dry or if it's dehydrated. And so for the most part, like it just needs like hydration and moisture for my skin to just be okay so I've never really had to like use any kind of like real um like stronger active ingredients the ones that I have done it has been more from a like just just want to test it out and see um and most of that as well I probably use more so in the winter just because I know that like I'm an outdoorsy person oh SPF lost year 
FPF. Absolutely love it. I'm so annoyed that it's in such a small pot, and I promise you, if they don't increase the, the pack size, I'm just gonna like make my own version of it. Please, please, honestly, we need it. We need it. I've heard so many good things about that um, SPF. I've heard, especially for darker skin, I've heard about Black Girl SPF. Yeah, let, let's, we're going to at Glossier and say, make a bigger tub, otherwise we're going to make one. <laughs> yes, tell them, tell them, tell them. <laughs> but isn't it funny that I've noticed that those with really good skin just don't even have to try, whereas the ones that have usually had like problematic skin, like myself, for example, are into skincare. Like I love to know about all the ingredients and all the formulas. And I'm a skincare obsessive only because I suffered from acne like in my early 20s for a little bit. And then in the last mm. year, I've had like crazy breakouts basically and I've managed to keep them under control but what's happened is I've calmed down the breakouts but now just as I was doing my makeup earlier I was like yeah my skin's a bit dry now so I'm gonna have to lay off the Mm. salicylic acid a little bit I'm gonna have to lay off that probably use a lot more like kind of hydrating ingredients like your glycerin Mm. hyaluronic acids your honeys your kind of your humectant me too honestly if I want my skin to look plump or innate time I've kind of realized that my eyes are looking a bit dull or dry or my skin just needs a bit of plumping I just whack Mm. on a bit of hyaluronic acid are there any particular hyaluronic acid products that you kind of go for or are you just looking for hyaluronic acid in a Um, overall so the ordinary they had a sister brand I don't know if they still have it but they used to do these really big pots is it the one in the dark jars like dark bottles no it was like in it was in like a massive clear jug almost like a hand sanitizer pot oh wow could it be a hand something hand hand chemistry hand chemistry that was it that's what it's called nice but yeah they're hyaluronic acid and it was just again like pure hyaluronic like hyaluronate or whatever it wasn't like Oh, they still do. I just did a Google. You can buy it on, like, look fantastic. Yeah, it was just one single ingredient, but just the quality. Because I think a lot of people don't realize that, like, even when you have, like, a winning ingredient, it does depend on, like, the supplier when it comes to, like, the quality and, and how well it kind of works when it comes to that hydration. You make a good point about the supplier and stuff. And I think a lot of people, naturally, they wouldn't take it into account, but knowing the supply chain when it comes to a product. So if someone is using an MDM Flow lipstick, for example, or they're using the everything oil, they're just going to use it, not considering every step that went behind the product. And, and it's not mm-hmm. even, it doesn't even just start with you formulating the ingredients. I, I'm sure it starts with the supplier of that raw material and where they went back and stuff like that. And is that something that's quite important for you? For me, it's so important. I think obviously on the consumer end, if you're a customer, there's nothing you can do. All you can do is test the product and say, this works for me, this does. But for me, I want people to use my lipstick and be like, this is the best lipstick I've ever used. Like, this color is amazing. Pigment is amazing. It lasts all day. Like, the payoff is great. Like, I feel amazing wearing Like, that's the response that I want to get from my customers. I'm only going to get that. If I make sure that at every step I've done the work to ensure that you know the pigment is high quality, the formula is high quality, and that for me is you know understanding the process and making sure that that happens. Because we've all had the experience where you know our favorite influencers pushed a product and we're like, oh okay, let me just test it out. Like it looks like it's going to be great, and then you try it and it's like, well, like, yeah, that's not the experience that I want. And I think. Obviously, with beauty and with makeup, with MDM, 
it's experience and it and it's the nature of the use, but a lot of it is like quite aesthetic. Whereas I think with Flow Beauty Co, it goes a little bit deeper because like the performance of the product is important. Like for me, what is really exciting when I when I think about everything oil is I've not had a single customer complain, which is insane. Like with MDM Flow, obviously, like there's a lot of perception. So like someone can get a colour and be like, oh no, it's the colour that I thought it was gonna be or or, you know, I don't think this colour suits me and all that kind of stuff. But to create a product and to not have a single complaint, for me, just makes me feel like, okay, I'm doing right. Wow. And I wanted to ask, actually, going off that point you mentioned earlier about just kind of the aesthetic of MDM flow, when it comes to kind of looking for aesthetic cues or coming up with the a new color or just even the process behind the everything all or anything else that you might be launching in the future, are there any things in particular that inspire you when it comes to creating something or do you go more for what customers want and need or is it a blend of both? Yeah, it's a little bit of a mix. At the beginning, it was very much about like what I liked. <laughs> and then I realized that that's not probably not the best strategy in business. But I think it's a little bit of like, because you, you have to have a little bit of like foresight in terms of like the market. So like, like you said, with Mass Marina, it's one of my best selling colors because literally nobody makes blue lipstick no no one so women are gonna buy it because they're like do you know yeah i want to have a blue lip so i'm gonna like get this color whereas when i created it people were like nobody wears blue lipstick you shouldn't make it and i'm like no that's the reason why i should make it exactly because no one does it but then with other colors it is customers literally being like i need this color i need this red i need this nude and it's like creating for that demand so it's kind of just getting that balance right um, when it comes to the colours in the collection. And, and in terms of inspiration, I get inspired like just seeing like a really cool woman walking down the street or like watching a music video or seeing somebody on the news, like, or, you know, a weather reporter that's just got a banging like lip and I'm like, well, see that in my collection. Yeah. So, or just colours, materials, like I absolutely love like fabric. And so inspiration really just comes anywhere nice and are there any people in particular that you would say personify mdm flow are there any particular style icons or beauty icons that inspire mdm flow um i'd say like the first person who comes to mind is like Nicki minaj because she's just so like diverse in terms of the looks that she does and she's really fun and she's she's been consistently fun and cool when it comes to her looks and then there's like younger artists that are like, you know, up and comers that I think are really cool. So like Saluti, Rico Nasty is like a female rapper that has like loads of like bright and wonderful. Makeup. I love her look. Yeah, absolutely. She's so fun. So yeah, there's so many kind of like, um, like city girls. Just, yeah, just anyone with like a bit of spunk. Speaking of Saluti, I love her look, like from the hair to the nails to the outfit she wears. Like so fun. She, she is and she's stunning. And also um, Rico Nasty, she, I feel like I get like an alternative type of vibe from her as well. So as opposed mm-hmm. to keeping it safe, mm-hmm. honestly, you've described like the women perfectly. I think the way you describe them is just spot on. And I can definitely understand where that kind of fits in with MDM Flow with the brand. And are there any other beauty inspirations that you have in general or just even personally when it comes to your own style? Um, oh, when it comes to my personal style, I love like Tracy Ellis Ross me too she's like my overall kind of like style queen i just think she's like cute glam sexy fun everything yeah. i like 
salon as well. Obviously, there is a version of the MDM flow girl with me, but I feel like the MDM flow girl is like party flow, and then like my day to day me to run a business flow <laughs> is like um, salon meets Tracy. Um, we're kind of coming to the end of the interview. No. <laughs> but I wanted to ask what the next steps are for MDM Flow and for Flow Beauty Co. Are there any kind of exciting things going on? What's in the pipeline? So with MDM Flow, we've got some really cool stuff coming. Um, new products um, that we're launching. One of our kind of new launches are kits where you can make your own custom lipsticks. Wow. Um, and obviously the lab element of MDM Flow has been such a huge part of its success so we wanted to kind of create a way that people could you know have their own miniature lab um and then with flow beauty co we're looking at um, new products we constantly are changing when it comes to what we're going to release first so right now we're still kind of like focusing on the oils we kind of want the oil to you know continue to grow and for people to like use it and love it and we're taking on a lot of feedback as well some people said they wanted like smaller versions of the oils so they can take on holiday or bigger versions of the oils for their whole family. That's so exciting. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Flo. Where can we find Definitely. you on social media? So the brands both have pages on Twitter and Instagram. So at MDM Flow and at Flow Beauty Co. And I'm personally Flo's Phenom on like everything. Yeah, I love you on Twitter, especially. No, I love following you on Twitter. You guys definitely need to follow Flo on Twitter. Yeah, have a lovely day and take care. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.